Morning, church. I'm going to preach something tonight that's a really simple message. It's actually a message for me, so not so much for you. <laughs> but um, a bonus because you guys get to hear it, but it's actually just a message for me, to be honest. Um, open your Bibles, please, to Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51. Let's continue to pray for our pastor. Our pastor, is, uh, he sent a photo of him. Well, he's uh, delivering his message, and he didn't have any shoes on. And I think all of them, I think it must have been on the stage, and none of them wearing shoes. And he said um, he's loving, um, like, I think when they do the service, they don't have any shoes on inside the church. So no shoes inside the church. That's interesting. So we'll be implementing that tonight. So if you <laughs> can, <laughs> I'll start it off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we won't be doing that tonight. Um, all right, Psalms chapter 51, verse 10. Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for um, bringing us here tonight. And Lord, um, I pray to God that you would help me, Lord, as I, as I speak to your people. I pray to God that you would speak to your people tonight in a very special way and Lord, um, I pray that you would use me, Lord, as a tool. Help me, Lord, to deliver the message, Lord, the way you've delivered it to me. And, Lord, I um, uh, appreciate, Lord, the privilege, Lord, of being able to stand here and, um, and, and, and talk, Lord, to your people. Lord, um, I pray for every facet of the service going on right now, the teens, dear God. And, Lord, um, I pray, dear God, that you would uh, bless that as well. I pray that you'd be with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Psalms chapter 51, verse 10, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So most of you guys probably know this song. We used to sing um, Bible songs every, every uh, Wednesday night back in the olden days. Um, and I think we still did it every now and then. I think we still do. Uh, um, and I like this song. So this is actually a song on its own. I won't be singing it tonight, but a lot of you guys will probably know this song. Um, Last week, I had an opportunity, a privilege to teach with the teenagers last week. I was in the teens, and I, was, um, I only had, I had half an hour to preach to them, but um, I thought, you know what, breaking the ice, let's do something different. So I divided them into, into groups, and then I gave them some, some things to do, and it took a lot of my time. So, so I ate up a lot of my time, and I didn't get to, to I, I gave them two points, two main points last night, and I'll be touching on them tonight as well, um, but, um, but this one's kind of a little bit more meaty than, than what we talked to them last, last week. Um, we discussed only two points, but tonight's, tonight's going to be three, so it's good, right? We got three, so we got added one more, um, and tonight I'm just going to be giving you some thoughts about authentic in our relationships. That's our theme for this month, most of you guys know already, authentic in our relationships. Now, it's hard to talk about, um, about relationships, about um, how we relate to each other or how we relate to other people, you know. Um, there's different people that we pass in our lives. It could be strangers. It could be your wife, your husband, you know, your children, your grandchildren, you know, your office, your, office, uh, your, your workmates. There's a lot of different people that you, you pass. And, and, um, and when we discuss about authentic in our relationships and how we relate to people, it's really hard to, to discuss on how we relate to people. I was thinking, how do I deliver this message? And 
when, it, when you're talking about authentic in our relationships, it's really how we relate to people, right? And I said it's hard to really relate to people if you don't know the condition of your heart. Or I should say it like this. Our relationships with people will really depend on the condition of our heart. It's really in the condition of our heart. Your heart, say, what's, what's your heart? I'm not talking about the beating heart that you have right now. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the, the heart's been described in the Bible in so many different ways, but it, it describes to you how important it is in our lives. It's, it's the center of your being. It's, it's who the real you are. That's where the real you lives in you. It's the um, Proverbs 27, verse 19. says, as in water, face, answer it to face, so the heart of man to man. I'm going to repeat that for you if you want to open it there. It's Proverbs 27, verse 19. It said, as, as in water face, answer it to face, so the heart of man to man. It talks about the heart of man reflects to man. Like the same as water, when water reflects to itself, you'll see it. But it's the same as man. The heart of man reflects to the man. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, without going too deep on what the heart is, you guys already know what it is. Uh, most of you guys have grown up in church, and, and sure, being in this church, we've, we've heard it so many times. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible describes the heart so simple. The heart is deceitful. That's us. That's the real you that lives inside you. Now, um, um, and yet, God t- tells us that it's our very core. It's your very core. It's the starting place of your thoughts, your beliefs, your values, your motives, your convictions. It's all in your heart. It's all in your heart. And yet every area of your relationship is impacted by the direction of your heart. You know when you come to church or when you have your daily, daily, uh, your daily walk, um, your daily life, the way you relate to people really is impacted based on your heart. You ever, you ever um, had a chance when... Um, when you're talking to somebody and you're not in the right spirit, your conversations are different. It's impacted. And that's how it is. And being authentic in our relationships, I just want to give you a few thoughts in terms of our, um, the condition of our heart. Uh, well, really, it's not really a thought. It's a question. So three questions. Um, actually, I'll skip that out for a little bit. First and foremost, um, the question is this. The thought is this. How is your heart towards God? How is your heart towards God? Our relationship with God should be the primary object. God should be the primary object of our relationship. How is your heart tonight? It should be your first priority. Your relationship with God should be your first priority. Um, um, loving God is an eternal, eternal privilege. It's an eternal, eternal privilege. We need to take the opportunity. Last night I was talking to, um, I went out with two of the young adults last night and I gave them a couple of questions in terms of you know, their relationship with God. And, and we were just having dinner, and we had a good time. And during the dinner, I normally ask them thought-provoking questions, you know, and the question I had for them, and I asked some of the teens, uh, the teens last week as well about this, but I asked the guys that I was with last night, I said, if you had, if, I said, how old are you guys? And they said, 26, the other one's 20. And I said, listen, if you only had 10 years to live in your life, how would you live your life differently now, knowing that you've only got 10 years to live? So they gave different examples. Say, oh, okay, if I'm gonna die in 36, and I know I'm gonna die in 36. I had a I had a really good friend of mine. He's been in this church a few times, and um, I think when he turned 
2526. Last time I heard of him, he said that the doctors told him he's only got 12 years to live. That's a pretty, pretty sobering thought, right? I think it's something about his health. And I haven't, I haven't um, caught up in so long. Um, that was a while back. I think he's still alive to this day, but at that time, he had 12 years. So imagine the doctor telling you, you've only got 10 years to go. How would you live your life differently? So these men that I asked yesterday, um, one of them gave me you know, what, what they wanted to do. I don't want to be this anymore. I don't want to be shy. I'm going to change myself about being shy because um, I'm, I'm kind of the shy type and everything. I would change that. That's what I would change in my life. And then the other person said, you know, like, uh, um, I, would, I would fix my relationships with people. You know, my relationship with, with people, uh, you know, with um, the family I don't talk to, um, I would change that. And I was talking to them. I said to them, how about your relationship with the Lord? I said, if you had 10 years to live in your life, or even now, folks, um, we should take every opportunity. I told this man yesterday, I said, we should take every opportunity that we have right now to change in how we love our God. How we love our God. You need to learn how to better the love that you have for the Lord, for your God, the God that died for you on the cross. If your relationship, I told him, I said, if your relationship with God and your communication with God, the best you have is to pray before you eat, right? That little one-minute prayer that you have before you eat, shame on you. I told him, if that's the only communication you have with God, I said, shame on you. This is, the, this is the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for your sins and mine. If you really put a picture on it, you should be on that cross. The Bible described, described the death of Jesus Christ. It said he, he, he's not recognizable as a man by the time they were done before they, they put him on the cross. Not recognizable as a man. How, would you, how is your, to, your heart towards God? How is your, is your relationship with the Lord authentic? And how do we do that? We need to prioritize with God. I said here, both prioritize with God, both in prayer and also in scripture. Why? Because you need it. Mom and dad, you need to prioritize your time with God. Your family needs it. Your children needs it. Your grandchildren needs it. Needs what? Needs you to prioritize every day with God. I'll give you an example, right? In marriage, um, how would you, uh, as an individual tonight, if you're married tonight, how would you characterize your communication with your husband and vice versa? How would you characterize your, your communication with your wife? Do you even have communication? In the home, for example, how do you communicate with your children? How about extended homes with your grandchildren? You know, all the kids, when I, when, when I was teaching in the kids, they all know how to spell love. And you ask them now, I think some, most of them have grown up, and you ask them, how do you spell love? It's simple. It's T-I-M-E. That's how I taught the kids. When you love, when you love somebody, you're going to spend time with them. You know? I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, I've heard kids who come up and said, you know, like, they don't really have that time to, ta- to talk with mom and dad. And, and, and I learned from that. I'm, I'm still a young dad, and, you know, I've got a long way to go. Kids are still young. I've got a long way to go. I've got, I've got so many men that I can, I can look up to and give me advice about, about my children here, and I take every single one, right, because I want to learn. Recently, I've started something with Chelsea. Um, we started running. She's better than me. <laughs> She's better than me, way, way better than me. So we started running. That, that's our little date, and she looks forward to it. And, and so what they do is they pick me up at the station, 
And on the way home, they'll drop me off somewhere, maybe a kilometer away from home. They'll drop me off, and me and Chelsea would run home. And I struggle. <laughs> I die every day. Like, I <laughs> die, die every time. And, and Chelsea, when I tell her, sorry, darling, we can't go today, she'll be really upset. She'll be like, oh, really? And she, like, she wears her shoes or her shorts. And get, she gets ready for me, right? It's, it's our little date. And when we run, what I've noticed with her, kids get bored really easily. What I've noticed with her is that when you start running, I'm not going to lie to you, she ran 3.8 kilometers. She's seven years old, ran 3.8 kilometers. I was really proud of her. I was dying there, and she was running. And, and when we were running, every time she's telling me about her day, she doesn't get tired. But when, <laughs> when we're not talking and we're just actually physically running, she gets tired easily. She's like, I want to walk. And OK, we'll walk. And then, and then we'll run again, and we don't talk at all. She's like, can I walk, Dad? I said, yeah, let's walk. But when we're talking, she'll run a whole kilometer without even noticing that we've run a whole block already, and we're almost home. You know, it's amazing. And um, it just tells you something. Communication is a key. Communication is very, very important. You know, when you don't communicate with somebody, it's hard to continue and move on and move forward. It's hard when you have no communication whatsoever. Our relationships need to have communication. How's your heart towards God? How's your communication with God? Is it authentic? How's that relationship you have there? Romans 5.8 says, But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you think about that verse, it's talking about timing. It says, for God, But God commended his love toward us, toward us, in that while we were yet sinners. That while we were yet sinners, that while word is a time. Time. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. It's time. God spent his time for us. He died on that cross. It's only right for us to give our time to the Lord. How many times do we have any, um, you know, uh, how, many, how many times have we got, like, you know, uh, the, the, the schedule of the church? You know, for example, we got things like, uh, you know, whatever it is that we have a church like scheduled, do you, do you put time aside? How about in your daily walk with God? Do you put time aside? I was talking to someone last night, and, and that young adult that I was talking to last night, we talked all the way to like 10.30. We were stuck in the car talking for about an hour. And uh, a half an hour, I should say. And, 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 and he was just telling me, I asked him, how much time do you spend, you know, spend reading your Bible or, or, or praying and talking to the Lord? And he goes, I'm trying to go as long as I, because he goes, I'm trying to do it as long as I do this hobby. He told me what his hobby was. And he's like, I'm doing this hobby right now. This is my hobby. He didn't have to tell me. I already knew that. He's like, this is my hobby, and I'm trying to match my Bible time or my, my, my time with God the same time I spend my hobby. And I said, that's, that's amazing. That's really good. I said, you continue doing that. But um, I told him, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I struggle. I struggle with my Bible reading. I'm not going to lie to you. Just being real. I struggle with my Bible reading sometimes. Sometimes I read the Bible, and I don't pick up anything from it. But there's days that, you know, just one word, and you've read the verse over and over and over and over and over. You probably read it a hundred times, right? You read this verse a hundred times, and you got the same message from it all the time. And then one day, God gives you a new message. In saying that, it goes to my second point. So my first thought, I said, how is your heart towards God? The second point I, ha I have is, how's your heart towards others? Open your Bibles, please, to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. We've got a couple of verses on this. 
How's your heart toward others? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17 says, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Verse 19, jump to verse 19. It says, Hear thou my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. I was talking to the teenagers last week, and this is the verse that I gave them last week. And I was, I was, I was talking about, about authentic in our relationships as well, but my opening was more about a plant. I've described a plant to them, and don't ask me how I, how I make sure I try to do. Um, uh, I, I, I think I did all right, because they all got it, and apparently they were talking about it afterwards, but uh, I, was, I was happy about that one. But this verse here stuck to my heart, and I asked them this question. I said, anybody in the crowd, can you please ask, tell me, what do you think this verse tells us? Verse 17, let me read it again. It says, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. When I read, I've read this verse so many, many times, and, um, and, and some of them came back to me saying, don't envy the world. I said, yeah, you're right, absolutely. Don't envy the world. I said, good, I'm glad you understand that. And they said, um, um, have fear in the Lord. That's right. I said, that's right. That's the simple part about that one. But you know what, what got me, that, what this verse um, taught me recently? Is in verse 17, it says, let not. Those two words, let not thine heart. I said, how's your heart towards God? How's your heart towards others? Let not. That, that let not, it's telling me that I have a choice. You and I have a choice. God says, let not, means you. You have the ability to let it happen or not let it happen. But God's giving you a choice. He says, let not. You have a choice. Verse 19 says, hear thou my son, be wise and guide thine heart in the way. We have a choice to lead and guide our heart. Not follow your heart. Disney says, follow your heart. But we shouldn't be doing that. We're supposed to lead and guide your heart. The Bible says, let not. You have a choice. I was telling the teenagers, you have a choice. You have a choice. Who are you going to follow? You have a choice. Who are you going to let allow yourself to influence you? You have a choice. Adults, we have a choice. We have a choice. You choose what you eat. You choose what time you go to bed. You choose what time you wake up in the morning. Some of us don't have a choice, but you know. <laughs> but you have a choice. When the baby wakes up, you have to wake up. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes you don't have a choice. You know, you have a choice to get up or not, but we have a choice. You have a choice who you, who you, you, have, you, have a choice who, who you want to be friends with, who you want to hang out with. You have a choice. You have a choice who you want to be, um, who you, you want to allow yourself to be influenced by. You have a choice, right? But you, you also have, you need to have an awareness that you have a choice. We need to have an awareness of how God is working through the people and events in our life to produce the character in you. So when you, when you allow yourself to be influenced by somebody, right? when you allow yourself to be influenced by somebody, you're, you're the one that's in charge. You're the one that's in charge. Who's gonna, who, who am I going to? Am I going to get this person influence me? I remember when I was um, growing up as a Christian, I had a lot of people that I allowed myself to be influenced by. And I had the wrong people that influenced me, and I had other people that influenced me. There's, some, there's a person here, like there's many of you here tonight that, that I allow myself to be influenced by, and I thank you the Lord for that. And I thank the Lord for those people that I allow myself to be influenced by. When I was growing up, I was, there was two men that I allowed myself to be influenced by, 
And I thank God for them. And, 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 and those two men, um, I, I remember I, was, I wasn't walking with the Lord. I wasn't walking with the Lord. I wasn't right. And, and for, as a teenager, I hanged out with the wrong group. You know, I allowed those, that group to... God blessed me in so many different ways when I was a teenager, but still, I allowed myself to, to be in the wrong group. And I've experienced that firsthand. But there were two people that had patience with me. They took their time with me. I remember um, I quit my job, and for eight months, I didn't have a job. And I quit my job because it was a choice. I wanted to quit my job because I knew it was wrong. I wanted to get right with God. When I quit my job, I hanged around with two people at that time. It was uh, Brother Damon and Brother June. They would take me out, like, you know, visitation, whatever it is. We got done knocking, you know. I wasn't in the right heart, but they took their time with me. You know what I mean? And, and um, I learned a lot from these men, and, and, and I allowed them to influence me, and it changed a lot in me. And sometimes when we, when we um, with our relationships with people, sometimes we, we, we don't see what God's trying to produce in our lives. I'll give you an example. Sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes we don't talk to people. Why do we don't, we don't talk to people? Because sometimes we have the fear when you talk to this person, he's better than me, and, you know, I really don't have much to say. I, I, like, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to, I can't be myself because I feel like he's better than me. You know, I don't want him to, to judge me. But sometimes we're too stuck up. Sometimes we don't want to talk to people because we, thought, we think, oh, I'm better than this person. I don't talk to this person. Sometimes you're like that. I mean, I'm not, not, I'm not saying you, but like I said, I preach to myself, right? Sometimes we look at somebody and we, we have judgment in ourselves already. Sometimes you judge people. I don't, I don't want to talk to this person, right? Sometimes, um, so sometimes we're, t- we're, we're too closed in and sometimes it's us as a problem and sometimes we're too caught up in our own little situations, in our own little circumstances. Everybody here is in a different situation. I don't know what you are, what you're going through. You don't know what I'm going through. But sometimes we're too caught up in our own circumstances that it affects our relationship with other people. How's your heart toward others? Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I'll explain. I'll give you an illustration here. Luke chapter 6. Now, none of this is, uh, is, uh, is new. You guys have read these verses many, many times. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Verse 45. A good man out of a good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of... His heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. Now, this verse predominantly talking about, you know, that fruit. He's talking about the fruit. Um, in, in a nutshell, an apple seed cannot be a grape, right? Or a grape cannot turn into an apple. It's impossible. So what this, is, this, what this verse is saying is pretty much that. If it comes from an apple tree, you ever heard that, that saying, uh, what is it? Um, doesn't, the thing doesn't fall too far from the tree, right? You know that saying? Well, you probably know better than me. But what this verse is saying is that, you know, um, out of a good heart comes a good thing. Out of an evil heart comes, a, come, comes evil fruit. Now, but look at verse 46. Verse 46 says, 
verse 46 in the very end of it, it says, for, the, for of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speak it. Have you ever found yourself, have you ever found yourself and you ask yourself, oh, have you ever found yourself, I found myself many, many times. Have you ever said to yourself, oh, that person made me so angry. You ever done that? You know what I mean? Have you, have you, ever, heard, have you ever heard yourself, these kids are driving me insane. Have you ever heard you say do that? I have. <laughs> I've done that. Sometimes I'm lying down, I'm like, these kids are driving me insane. I'm talking about my kids, right? I'm not talking about anybody else's kid. I'm talking about my kids. And, um, and have you ever heard about, um, like, like, you know, um, this thing right now is it's so exhausting, you know what I mean? And, and our disgust with people sometimes. We're, we're annoyed at people sometimes. Or we're annoyed at the situation that we're in. You know, why is this happening to me, you know what I mean? Well, people or situations don't actually make us what we say. People or situations don't make us what we say. It's easy actually to easy, easily blame people. It's easy to blame people. The situations that you're going through in your life, oh, it's because so-and-so is this. It's because so-and-so is this. It's easy to blame people. But the Bible says here, verse 46, it says, out of the abundance of your heart, or your heart, his mouth speak it. The Bible says here is telling us that our words are actually controlled by your heart. Your words are controlled by your heart. And I know this is just a reminder for you guys. You have seen the tea, the illustration of a tea. When you put that tea in hot water, you'll see the flavor come out, right? You'll see the real flavor come out, right? Sometimes we're too caught up in our situation. Sometimes we're too caught up in our little bubbles, right? Our bubble of friends, our bubble of family, bubble of work, whatever bubble you have in your life, sometimes we're too caught up in it. And we can't see... We don't notice how our relationship with other people. We don't notice how our relationships are, you know. And that's what I'm saying. We need to have an awareness of how God is working through the people and events in our lives to produce a character in you. If you're too caught up in your little bubble, whatever it is, work, friends, your little groups, whatever it is, if you're too caught up in your situation, that bubble of situation you're on, if you're too caught up with that, you're going to see the life you know, you're going to see the opportunity go pass by. You ever been in a situation where you meet someone at church, you probably say, yeah, hey, how you going, blah, 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 bye. You go home, and that, church, that person doesn't come to church anymore. And then suddenly you bump into him somewhere or her somewhere in the shops. You're kind of like, oh, hey, how you going? And they're like, hey, how you going? And then, and then you wonder, wonder what happened to that person, you know? How's your relationship with others? How's your heart towards other people? Sometimes we're too caught up in our own thing. We miss. We miss the opportunity of being a blessing. We miss the opportunity of what God was trying to turn us, what God was trying to develop in us, the character that he wants you to develop in your own life, the character that he wants you to grow, the character that he wants you to enhance. What kind of character... Does he want you to produce or enhance in your life? You don't, don't be too caught up in your little bubble. You need to ask God, why? Why did God let me bump into that person? I bumped into this one guy. Um, I bumped into this one guy, and, and um, he used to come to our church, and he hasn't, I don't know what happened to him. And I felt so bad. You know why? 
because I went somewhere and I was trying to get my money. And you know what? He paid for me. He paid for me in the counter. He paid for me and then he said bye. He didn't actually say bye. He just paid for me and then he took off. So when I was ready to pay for what I had to pay, I, I go, the lady's like, that man paid for you. And I was just like, what? It's like, that man paid for you. And I looked over and he looked back and waved at me and I'm like, I was like, I've forgotten his name. Isn't that sad? <laughs> it's true. True story. I was like, man. And then I asked myself, why did I meet that guy at church and I didn't talk to him? I wonder why. I wonder how was my heart during that time. That I didn't get an opportunity to see what God was trying to produce in my life. Right? That's just one example. We got we got plenty of examples, right? Sometimes we're too caught up in um in our rules. You know what? What you don't want to be, you don't want to be unteachable. That's one thing you don't want to be. Psalms 119, verse 165 says, um, Great peace of they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When you, when you say something in your mouth and you get irritated by it, and I said it's coming, that's coming from your heart, that tells something about you. The more irritable you are, the more you expose yourself. The more you talk and you talk about people at church or people that, there's, there's, there's these people that I used to work with, and they used to talk about, Everyone at, at, um, at in the office, oh, so and so, da, da, da. they used to gossip a lot. Nice to listen to them, right? You can't, really, um, you, know, you can't really not listen to them. Even if you shut them off, they just talk so loud. Oh, da, 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 da. And you know what? Um, I, said, I said to myself, the more this lady, gets this lady gets irritated every single day, and she's just describing herself to me every day. The more, if you talk good things about other people, that's great. That tells me something about you. But if it's the other way around, that tells me something about you. Right? Great peace of day which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If you get irritated easily, you're telling me something about you. Right? How's your walk with God? How is your relationship? How is your heart toward others? Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Mark chapter 3. So I said sometimes we're too caught up in our rules. Mark chapter 3. You guys know this story. I think Brother EJ preached this before. Let me read it out. I remembered it. I said, I like this. I like this passage. Mark chapter 3, and I'm sure Brother EJ remember this. And, and he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man that, which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man that, which had a withered hand, said, stand forth. I try to imagine what that withered hand means. You know, I've, I've, I've broken my finger before, but this is withered. Can you imagine a hand that's just like, you know, no, it's just bones, right? That's what I imagine when I think about the withered hand. I've seen a man before. I used to visit the hospital when I was younger. I've seen a man before, and I put my finger in his body, and as soon as I take it off, within seconds, you see that, that, that mark on my finger is still there. You try poking yourself like this and take your hand out, your body returns to the normal form. But this person didn't. I put, I put my finger like this, and I take it off, and it's still there. <laughs> it's amazing. And, and I, I thought, wow, I never, I've never seen anything like it. Because as soon as I saw it, I was doing it to myself. And I'm like, wow. And he explained it to me because, you know, I've, um, I don't have the right nutrients in the body. This is what's happened to me. 
I'm sure Doctor could explain it better than me, <laughs> but that's that's how he explained it to me. But that's how I, that's how I imagine this withered hand. And this man had a withered hand. And just to tell you the story here, um, the Lord Jesus Christ says, "Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day, or to do evil, or to save life, or to kill?" So he was talking to these Pharisees, right? And he said to him, he said to them, "Listen, is it is it better to to do good because they, they don't want him to work? They don't want anyone to work on the Sabbath day." And 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 here's this guy with a withered hand, and Jesus Christ says. Should I, should I heal this man? Yes or no? What do you think? Should I do good on a Sabbath day? Or should I just not do anything because it's, it's considered work if I do something on a Sabbath day? Guess what they say. Verse 4 says, but they held their peace. These Pharisees didn't say anything. You know why? Because they knew the answer. The answer is to do the right thing. The answer is for the Lord Jesus Christ to do something to do the right thing. But they didn't want to say anything because if they say something, it would be against what they believe in, what they stand up for. It would be against their rules and they'd be talking about themselves. You know what I mean? Sometimes we're too caught up in our little rules. Sometimes we're too caught up in our little rules. These people didn't really care. They didn't really care about the people. They cared about what was their rules and their ways. Now the Bible says, you know, um, in verse 5, actually, verse 5, the key of it is here. And when he looked around about him on which, with, with anger, being grieved from the, for the hardness of their hearts. The hardness of their hearts. He says unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. In verse 6, and the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with Herodians against him and how they might destroy him. And you guys know after that. But verse 5 says here, the hardness of their hearts. These men didn't care. They had hardness of their hearts. They couldn't even tell Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, the right thing to do is to heal his hand. They couldn't do that. They're too caught up in their little rules. Are you caught up with your rules? The Bible says knowledge puff it up. In 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, you guys know the verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The second part of it, I can't remember. Verse 1. Now, as touching offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puff it up. Here you go. But charity edify it. Knowledge puff it up. We've got our rules, right? You know the Bible well. You know what? It's, it's, I have nothing against that, and that's good. You're supposed to be studying the Word of God, but it's all you know. If your knowledge, if, if that's all you know and you don't apply, it's useless. You just be like these Pharisees. You just exactly be like the Pharisees. Your knowledge puff it up. But, folks, if we don't apply what we learn, it's absolutely useless. In the verse before, the Bible says that Jesus Christ said it angered him. It angered the Lord Jesus Christ. You look at the verse. Read verse 5. It says it angered him, right? The word anger was there, right? Just because we're saved, it doesn't mean that we can't have hardness of heart. I, I, I say this because I, I know this by experience. You can actually be in a place where you refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit. I've been there. I've done that. I remember standing in the back there, and I remember someone singing here, and God would speak to me through the song, and I would cry at the back. But I would still harden my heart. As a Christian, you can do that. And when you refuse to listen to the Lord, you lose your sensitivity to Him and His ways. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26, it says, My son... Give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Remember the beginning I said, we have the opportunity 
to lead and guide our heart. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to guide us. He's putting his arm out there. He says here, give me your heart. Let your eyes observe my ways. He wants us to observe. He, wa- he wants us to delight in his ways. He wants us to delight in his ways. I'm almost done. I said, first and foremost, how's your thoughts? How's your heart towards, um, towards God? How's your heart towards others? And lastly, I said, how's your heart towards the lost? Now, um, the preacher on Sunday already touched on this last Sunday. How's, how's your heart towards the lost? I'm not going to dig too, too deep in this. Um, in regards to this one, we hear, we hear this, and, and it's a reminder just for everybody. If you're saved today, then you should never reach the place where your compassion for the loss, where you lose the compassion for the loss. Because you know what? At one stage in your life, you needed the Lord. One stage in your life, you were the lost person. You were the lost person. So here's what I'm going to say about this, this point. How's your heart towards the lost? Take a reality check. If you want to, I'm not talking about looking at everybody else here. I don't want you to look at everybody else and see what's someone doing. No. Look at your own heart. Don't worry, don't worry about everybody. Every man is accountable to, to God. Don't worry about everybody. What else? Worry about what you're doing. How's your heart towards, towards the lost? Take a reality check, reality check. Keep your salvation fresh in your heart so you don't develop a callous heart. Right? The best way to actually not develop a callous heart is, is you always want to remember that time that God reached out and saved you. The time that God reached out to save you. How's your heart towards others? How's your heart, toward, how's your heart towards God? How's your heart towards sinners? Toward the lost? Simon says in Psalms chapter 51, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. There's only one really, really simple answer. If you answered, if you kind of feel negative in any of these three questions you have tonight, or after this message, we have a prayer night. I remember a deacon from Brother Gibbs Church came, and I can't remember the year. He came in this church, and, and he preached, and he said, there's only one secret to revival. And I'm going to tell you tonight. The secret to revival is, and I remember listening intently. I'm like, wow. So yes, he goes, one word. There's one word to a secret to revival. Prayer. Prayer. Pray in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, and your, your faithfulness to us, Lord, um, regardless of how, how we are as a Christian. Lord, regardless of our walk, Lord, regardless of our situations, dear God, you are always good. You're always faithful. Lord, um, this month our theme is being authentic in our relationships, dear God, and I'm not sure I did a good job, Lord, but Lord, help us, Lord, to examine our hearts. Lord, our, our relationship is dependent on our or on the condition of our heart. So I pray to God that everyone that's here tonight, Lord, to be encouraged to examine their hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord, to challenge ourselves to do better. Help us, Lord, to challenge ourselves, Lord, to serve you. Lord, help us, Lord, to challenge ourselves, Lord, to, to be a different person than what we are, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be that person, Lord, to think about what would we be doing, Lord, if we, if we knew we only have, you know, 10 years to live or 5 years to live, Lord. Help us, Lord, to change our mindset, dear God, and help us, Lord, to fix some, Lord, um, uh, 
uh, help us, Lord, to be authentic in our relationships tonight. We ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.